You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Today's guest, Irene White, has been in The Middle, The Millers, Men, Women, and Children, The Green Hornet, Carpoolers, and so many more shows and movies. But what's really wonderful about Irene White is how wonderful Irene White is. Uh, Our joyful interview centered around Irene's return to Los Angeles after four years, seeing if she could make a move to Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is lost as Los Angeles. Well, it's our game. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) We talked about the rabbit hole that is hope, how jealousy can be quashed by a good cookie metaphor, and the joy of a well-crafted catchphrase. Enjoy. Now you're... Now I'm back. I know you're back. Yeah. We missed you. I missed being here, I'll tell you that. That's the truth. What did it feel like to leave? Um, So I left in 2009, right before Christmas. And when I left, I was um, really glad to be going. I I know, I remember. Yeah, I was kind of under the impression that, oh yeah, because I worked with you that summer right before I left. Yeah, at the Summer Arts Festival. Exactly. Um, I was under the erroneous impression that my life was going to be easier just easier just easier all around Mm -hmm. and then you know it wasn't actually it's it's just a place where there are other you know it was just differently difficult isn't it interesting because right yeah because and there's that wonderful phrase wherever you go you bring you with you yes Mm -hmm. yeah and that definitely happened I mean it's Austin is a great city Um, and so I was gone a total of Four and a half years. No. Yes, it's true. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. I know, it's it didn't bananas. feel like it it's at bananas. all. It felt like it to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, um, I think, in truth, to be perfectly frank, I knew at two years I wanted to come back here, mm-hmm. but um, I wouldn't let myself. I was kind of embarrassed. I felt like I had my tail between my legs because I felt when I left Los Angeles that I was like, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with the industry. I'm done with all of that. And mm-hmm. then I realized how much I missed it. And it, it being what? The hustle. Right. Unbelievably, I, I really missed the hustle. Uh-huh. There, there were aspects of being there that were easier. Right. And things that I was able to do there that I couldn't hear. I was able to buy a house. Uh, I've since sold it, but I couldn't afford to do that here. It's a Did you buy a house in Austin, in Austin? In the city of Austin. Yep. And my parents helped me, but even with their help, I wouldn't have been able to do it here. It right. just wouldn't be possible. Uh-huh. So that was great, um, but I missed the hustle. There's very little industry there, despite what you might read. There just isn't, I mean, there's just... L.A. is L.A. and New York is New York. Exactly. And if you want to call it, you know, if you want to call Prague the Paris, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the new Paris, it's like, no. Right, because the old Paris is actually still around. So, right. Yeah, and so they're, they're um, so just, so like being there, um, I'm very happy that I went because I think I came back here then completely refreshed. Mm-hmm. And also I'm glad that I stayed those extra two years because two and a half years, because then I think I really knew, oh yeah, I want to go back to Los Angeles, and this is where I'm meant to be. That is beside the point, mm-hmm. and that may not even be the point. That might not even be the point at all. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, um, and coming back, I've, I've said to people, oh, I was embarrassed. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? How long were you gone? Eight months? I was like, uh, 
four and a half years. <laughs> like, what? Like they can't here. There's an there's an element of time standing still here. Yes, there is. And the only way I'm really able to mark time is by how old my friends' children are. Mm -hmm. So I have. I have a few friends here who didn't have kids when I left and now they do. And so they know that I was gone that period of time. Right. But anybody else who who doesn't or who didn't have some huge life event happen in that period of time, they can't believe it. It's so interesting to live out here and to, because you, you, for me, I come home, my apartment's pretty much the same. Uh -huh. You know, I may do a couple different things here mm -hmm. and there, but it always looks the same. Mm -hmm. the, the neighborhood, for the most part, stays the same. Uh, it's not that I move every year, so I know what those things are. Um, my kitchen gets, you know, I just, I, I hunker down yeah. more, and it's like, <laughs> so I don't know what's going on, and I also don't spend much time here. I travel mm -hmm. so much. Yes. And, uh, uh, and life goes on, and, I no no there is no passage of time you know there there isn't anything that says okay if somebody said when were you divorced I'm like well, I don't know right and I got to do a lot of fucking math yes yeah well and it's funny like coming back there was very little that had changed and not not only my not, and I don't mean with my friends I mean geographically mm -hmm, right I feel like the the or not geographically kind of the the architecture of the city. Sure. There were a couple of things where I was like, oh, wow, they redid the Popeyes on right. the corner of Cahuenga and Hollywood Boulevard. Yes, they but did. Like, <laughs> yes, they did. It's very nice it's now. It's very nice. Yeah. But aside from that, there, there, there wasn't that much change. There actually is a lot of change. I'm sure there is. Yeah, there yeah. is a lot of change. The parking I'm, meters now take credit cards. Exactly. There's that. they didn't. No, they didn't. But there's also buildings going up that are fucking built that were parking lots and now they're buildings yes. and I will say the Trader Joe's that's in Hollywood on Vine. On, yes that was not there when I was right when I last lived here right and then there's buildings that are building across the street and then across the street yes. across the street. yeah that and whole then, area right. is completely right different. but let's go back artistically mm -hmm. not much has changed you know James Grace is still running IO that's right um, there are still uh, King Ten Yes, um, there is. You know, yes, there uh, is. Crowley's still the bartender yes, at I.O. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, and, and the, the, the facade hasn't changed. But, but you've changed. I have. And, you know, coming back, there was a bit of disorientation I had, I would say, for the first six months. I feel kind of out of it now, but it was like being plopped back down into um, a, a previous life, in a way, because so many people didn't realize I had been gone as long as I was. To me, coming back here, like my commercial agents took me back immediately. Right. I started auditioning immediately. Who are they? SBV, South uh, Park Sure, sure, sure. Where I, they used to be on Fairfax. They're not, yes, they're, they're not there. They're now on uh, Wilshire across from LACMA. Got it. Um, but I started going back to 200 South La Brea, right. which looks exactly the same. Well, the as casting agent. Yes. Casting Yeah, upstairs warehouse. above Petco. Yeah. You know, it, that's exactly the same. Right. And so there was this element of... Um, I was just disoriented because I, I would have moments where I had to physically remind myself that I had created another life in another city and now I'm here. Right. And um, I feel fine now, but there really was some major disorientation. I, today I was thinking about, because I'm going to Airbnb my place, that's where I have a couple of boxes and stuff over uh -huh. here, and I'm going to be getting rid of, or not getting rid of, but just putting away mm -hmm. elements that are me. Mm -hmm. And it's, 
I'm ghostifying me. Uh -huh. I don't know if you, you, you know what I mean? So, I do. Yeah, yeah, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm removing all elements that are me. Mm -hmm. I'm still here, mm -hmm. but I'm not here. I remember when I would visit my ex-wife to pick up our dog. We had custody of the dog up okay. in Silver Lake. And I would go to that house that we lived in and be walking in and going, I am a ghost in this house. I am a ghost. Mm -hmm. I have changed, but this hasn't changed. Uh, what was the biggest, so, hmm. Uh, do you have a renewed sense of, not renewed, do you have a, a different sense of confidence? Yes, I do. And I think, uh, I, absolutely I do. I think um, also part of the reason I moved um, is that uh, I was coming up on 40. Mm -hmm. And I, for whatever reason, uh, that was hard for me. And I didn't even realize how hard it was until I got on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And now I've come back. And the other side of what? Uh, the other side of 40. Got it. Uh, be, and um, 40 unmarried without children. Right. For some reason that was, I don't know, like it ugly was, in but some ways. But wasn't it, so it sounds to me like it was, you had expectations that weren't met. Yeah, I think so. Even though uh, in some ways um, I would like to be married, but... I, I, I'm kind of past the point of wanting children. I'm fine. Uh, honestly, I'm fine without, I love them, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. It really is. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, but at that point when I was 38 making this decision, I, yeah, I had all of these kind of unmet expectations or unmet identity thoughts or what does this mean about me or what do people think about me? Nobody cared, but I cared. And so I went away and then I got over that and thought, oh my God, I want to go back to my home, which is Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. and, ah, right. And so I have come back with a renewed sense of confidence, I think, or, or a, just a different sense of confidence. Right. Because now I don't, um, I'm way over 40 and it's fine. And I'm here and I'm glad to be here. And what you can tell me I'm not going to work. Or you, whatever. You know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And what, I didn't know that at the time. I, it's such a, I, I haven't thought about this lesson in so long, but I do, I've talked about it before. What other people think about me is none of my fucking oh. business. And it has nothing, it's, you know, other people, this is what has really uh, become clear for me since moving back. Somebody else's path doesn't matter to me. That just doesn't make any difference to me. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make any difference to my life, to how happy I am, to how much I get accomplished, to how little I get accomplished, whatever. It doesn't really, it honestly does not matter. No, no. Somebody else's path isn't your path. That's right. It's somebody else's path. That's right. And you might as well say, somebody else's clothes are my clothes. <laughs> I know. It, it's so, it, it's senseless. And yet people do it so much to the point that it, it stops them from from being the creative process, the, the creative processors that they are. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it just, um, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I don't want to turn this to some weirdo conversation about being a woman, but. No, but the thing is like, I do, I do talk to a lot of women and I also feel like right now is just a fucking amazing time. Yes, yeah, and I, I, I think, you know, I'm so, <clears throat> I'm, I guess what I, you know what, I, as I'm talking to you, I'm realizing I got some happiness back in being away. And so coming back here to Los Angeles, I'm 
happy to be here and I'm happy to be the age I am with the wisdom that I have with the freedom that I have and I'm so blessed and I feel um, just glad like I'm, I'm glad you you preface that by saying about women and yes, that didn't uh, turn so, into so, a woman. Yes, thing. okay, so I guess what I mean is that... Oh, but, but let me just also say, oh, yeah. awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I guess, I guess there's, I do feel some pressures, um, perhaps self-imposed, that it's all self-imposed. Yeah, all pressures I, I, exactly. Self right, exactly. Unless, unless you're being squeezed between you know, that, that uh, building-sized vice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're under a mattress. Exactly. Um, so, I uh, that that uh, so so let me see. What was my point when you're I you're saying that? it's self-imposed? You're seeing the pressure. I was saying the women. You, you didn't bring up the women part. You said you were very happy. You went away for a while. Right. You came back right. with the. Oh, oh, okay. Because uh, especially when I left, mm -hmm. I uh, again this kind of self-imposed pressure I was feeling about the judgment mm -hmm. for not being married and not having children mm -hmm. and what what does that mean about Irene right and then going away I'm realizing it, it doesn't really mean anything no and then coming back to Los Angeles realizing that still it doesn't mean anything to anybody right <laughs> I still don't care right so whatever I created previously where I thought that people were judging me is just not it just doesn't it just doesn't, it's not there. How do you, it's, how do you, how do you tell people that? Because that's something that I can introduce to you mm -hmm. and then let it go mm -hmm. and watch you realize it or don't realize it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like if I said to you six years ago mm -hmm. that, you'd go, isn't that cute? Yes. David's able to do that. I can't believe that he really believes that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> how could he not be yeah. bothered by what other people think or other people's journey? Um, oh well, la di da. Mm -hmm. You know, why does you know, you know, la, la di da? Why did Karen Garachi get more work than I did this right. year? You know that sort of thing. Well, I mean, I, um, I'm. I, st I still, of course, hear that people booked something that I auditioned for, and I think, oh. But I think I've, I've gained more of an appreciation for um, that I have something to offer. Right. And, it, and some people are, uh, some people, I, I have a friend that I met when I lived in Austin, and he's, he described it, I'm going to mess up this, but he's like, it's as if you've baked cookies. Mm -hmm. And some people... At some point, somebody's going to want the cookies you made. Like right, right now, right. They, they may not be in the mood or they're full or whatever, but at some point, somebody's going to want your cookies. And so, <laughs> at I, some point, somebody's going to want your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, so I'll hear that somebody booked something and then I'll think, oh man. And then I think, well, that's good for them. Right. Good for them. That's excellent. I mean, I, mean I, 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 for me, I get really excited these days. Well, so I, I, that has come back to me where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad people are working, because in Austin, there was not a whole lot of work, and so now I'm like, oh, good for you. Right. Oh, I'm so glad that there are trailers on my street blocking the traffic because it means there's work right. happening. Right, right. You know? And it's not like, fuck those people. And yeah, because oh, a lot I can't of, get around. Oh, exactly. A like, lot of that, I can't get around because yeah. why haven't I been booked a right. before? Right, yeah. 
And the people that we know now, I look at Jill, um, Alexander Jill mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in Mad Men. Yes. Did you see her in Mad Men? She is fantastic. Fucking fantastic. Good for you. Yes. Yep. And uh, a guy that I used to see at commercial auditions all the time, Evan Arnold, was at the end of Mad Men. Yes, he sure was. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. And looking at those people and not feeling anything other than, could that be? I think that it, yes. that's who that is. Yeah, I find it really exciting, actually. Yeah. Really, really exciting to see people that I know and things. Yeah, so I get... I get very excited about that. I get really, really excited. Uh, I also have to say, I live a not even a block away from Raleigh Studios. Oh. And close to Paramount, too. I was in... Uh, Laura and I went to see a documentary on, uh, on, on the Raleigh lot yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Which, half a block away. We drove, of course. Right, well, of No, course. we <laughs> didn't. But it was like... We were on the lot, and I kept telling people who were kind of passing by, going, I live right over the other Isn't side. Isn't that fabulous? I love it here. I love it here. I love it here so much. And when people speak ill of Los Angeles, I'm, I, I say to them, I guess you've never lived there. Because if you Or the people that live here and speak I ill guess, of it. I know, but that's, they're so dumb. I've met the best people of my life here. I mean, I really have. It's just, I love it here so much. And speaking of being on lots, uh, that's one of the things I realized when I lived in Austin was how much I missed being on a lot. How much I hadn't appreciated being on a lot, even when you just go for an audition or whatever. Right. So last week I had an audition at Paramount and I was like, I love that. I mean, I almost the started best crying. Lot. The best I love lot. it the so best lot. much. Yep, it's the like, best lot. oh, this is my life. I'm, uh, no matter what happens with this job, I'm an actor and I'm 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 doing it, you guys. Yep. I'm doing it. Yep. And yep. it's thrilling. Yep. It's absolutely thrilling. And part of being an actor is not working. Uh, That's mo part of being in an my actor. Experience, yeah. Most of being an yeah. Actor, so. And I think that most of being an artist is the conjuring, mm -hmm. uh, the cogitating, mm -hmm. like all of that, like sitting and, th and thinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I was reading something, and I can't remember what it was, but it was such a beautiful line. The tip of the iceberg is just the tip of the iceberg. The aha moment isn't the moment that you, it's just the moment that you say aha, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. There's everything, all that pressure that led up to the, uh, oh, oh yeah, yes. that. Yes, yeah. You know, I recently saw a TED talk. I don't remember who, who the woman was, but she talked, her, her, her talk was about what makes uh, children successful as students. Mm -hmm. And um, she said that it, it came down to one thing. It wasn't intelligence, it wasn't, you know, athletic prowess. It was one word, grit. And she said, grit is being committed to your future. And I was like, oh, I think being in order, committed to your future. But isn't being committed to your future solely on being committed to the moment? Sure, yes. Because I don't know how you're committed to the, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yes. I understand grit. I understand that. And I think yeah. I saw that one. Yeah. I heard that one. And uh, I get that, yes. Yeah. And it's also about, Motherfucking being excited about this yes, moment. I totally agree. Totally. And agree. To, yeah. to be on the lot at Paramount and not to oh. say, I hope I get this job, but to be on the lot at Paramount and go, I am I'm on the lot, lot at Paramount. Paramount. Gloria Swanson drove on this lot right. in her big car. Right. Cecil B. DeMille was over there. Like, the, I, I got so excited about it. Yep. I, and when I was at Rolly Studios the other day, there are pictures of Chaplin there and Laurel and Hardy. I'm going, Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy were right down the block. You know, I don't know that I've ever been on that lot. It's adorable. It is? It's adorable. I mean, oh. it's like the Sunset Gower lot. It's, yes. it's, it's adorable. Where right. you go, oh, look at that. That's kind of cute and yes. quaint and good. Yes, okay. Uh, they film Wayne Brady's uh, 
uh, not the let's prices. make a deal yeah let's make a deal oh there. okay uh, let's make deals there um but it's just so and i think about when i first moved here i remember thinking ah oh, the greatest actors in the world are buried here <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but there's also uh, on KUSC, which is a classical radio station. Mm -hmm. They every once in a while they'll say the uh, the the creative capital of the world. And at first I'm like, well, that's pretty, right, pretty hyperbolic. But then I realized, nope. No, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, it is accurate. Yeah, mm -hmm. I I do agree that the the uh, being committed to the moment is what. Uh, that's where 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 I'm happiest. Is when I stop and think, oh my God, but look where I am. Right. Oh my God, look where I am. And you could say that every single... I just was thinking single... it about this moment right now. I was yeah. like, look where I am. I know, right? And you're in my you're my apartment and we're having this chat and there are kids outside and yeah. there's a cat over there. Two yeah. cats in the yard. There's a cat over <laughs> there. And uh, uh, But at any moment of your life, you get to stop and go, look at this moment. Like anybody it's... listening to this right now, just stop and realize you're not in the apartment with Irene and me. Right. You are wherever it is that you are listening to this thing yeah. and living your life yes. where you are right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible when I And one of the things about improv is that I mean, you have to be. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be committed to the future. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, you have you have no choice but to be right there right now. Um, when I was, I taught a lot when I was in Austin and I... Where did you teach? I taught at the State Theater School of Acting. Right. Oh, okay. And I taught at Cold Town a little bit, uh -huh. not very much. Uh -huh. A little bit, mostly at the State Theater School. And then I taught um, two semesters at St. Edwards University. Mm -hmm. um, beginning improv for, for the actors in the theater department. And that was great because they Your were... Your own curriculum. Uh, yes. Yeah. They were fearless. So we didn't really work on a Herald because they didn't have anywhere to watch it. So it was like there was Aren't no... Aren't you done with Heralds? I, you know, so I'm on a Herald team and we... Um, but you guys do... I, we, I, we've been together for so long that it, it, it um, we sort of do kind of what, whatever happens. Um, but I find the Herald really hard, actually. You what? I find it hard. Difficult. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I find it difficult. I find it difficult and I find it something like, oh, that's great. Okay, now let's never do that again. Yeah, I, I think I, my, my interests are uh, absolutely uh, elsewhere. If somebody said, what do you want to do tonight? I would not be like, let's do a Herald. You know? <laughs> I don't think ever that would happen. I don't think, I, I'd go, let's do a LaRonde or let's do whatever, but it's not like, let's, let's, no, I don't want to do Herald. Yeah, it's hard. And, um, and you know, I took class, when I came back, I was very motivated and I took class at Groundlings. I mm -hmm. took uh, in, basic, I think it's called at Groundlings. Mm -hmm. And then I took uh, 101 and 201 at UCB. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult for me because they're, um, the way that they put the pieces together were a little different than the way I had been taught and the way I had been living, basically, in mm -hmm. my improv. Um, but also, going back to the basics of the Herald, it's hard. It's a hard form. Yep. I think it's very difficult. I remember the first time I saw it, somebody went, oh, that's a Herald. I'm like, I don't have no idea. What right, funny. yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when I left I.O., 85, 86. Ah. Um, <laughs> The first thing I want to do is never do another one of those again. Right. <laughs> but you've continued to do this. I have they continued to do that. They creep up on you. They do creep <laughs> up on you. When you're and least expecting it. Exactly. And it's usually when I'm in another city and people go, we're going to do a Herald. It's like, great. All right, yeah. I'll do a Herald. Yeah. I, the, the order of things would be um, 
if I'm in another city, a two-person show yes. with somebody that I don't know, which mm -hmm. is great. I love doing that. Like, like a, a half hour? Or? 45 minutes. Okay, yeah. 45 minutes, like what I did with Eric. I don't, we, did you see the thing I did with Eric Honeycutt? It was great at Summer Arts a while ago. Oh. You weren't, no, no, you, no, you no, weren't, I was it was gone. a different one. No. Eric's, Eric and I have done that a couple times. So it's a two-person. Okay. Then it would be a montage. Mm -hmm. Then it would be a uh, an Armando, uh -huh. and then it would be a Herald, mm -hmm. and then it would be short form games, but I would never get to that point. Yeah. Because if you want me to do short form <clears throat> games, I'm going to go, yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, I'm not good at short tape form. Tape it, and I'll watch it never. Right. <laughs> I'm not good at short form. <laughs> no. What, so what I taught mostly was a montage is what we yeah. basically would work on because yeah, which is a collage of scenes exactly and if something comes back that's fine right uh, if it doesn't fine right you know right um, but uh, yeah I would it was so interesting to work with people who had never had any acting and then to work with uh, actors sometimes the people who had no acting were much more available absolutely you know because they just don't have any they don't think they know how they perform best on stage so they're just really, there's no expectation. Yeah, they're just and there's themselves. No ego. Right. There's no ego. There's no ego. There's no them saying, oh, I've got to protect myself or I should know this or everybody else here knows more than I do. Yeah. And I think a major thing in, my, in the classes that I teach is one of the first things I said is everybody in this room knows exactly the same amount of, that everybody in this room knows. Yes. And that's the great thing about improv yes. is the moment you start a scene, the two people that are out there know exactly the same amount of information. They learn it at the same time. That's right. And yeah. they know it at the same time. Well, you know what? What I found too, because I also had to teach, or I taught a few kind of beginning acting classes when I was in Austin, and what's interesting is that everyone came to improv, even the, the actors that I had, everyone came to the improvisation classes thinking they didn't know how to do it. They were like, well, I don't know. Uh, the opposite was the true. I was true. I would take, I would teach a beginning acting class. People with no experience were like, I know how to do this, and it's like. Really, there was a, just a strange thing that that people would come to an acting class think, think, thinking they knew how to do it, but not an improv class, even if they had acting experience. Got it. Why do you think that is? The question is, why is it that people come to an acting class say, "I know nothing about acting," but when they come but to I an improv class, but I know how to do this, I know how to do, I know this. do this, and when they come to an improv class, they're like, they "I have an MFA in acting, but I don't know how to do got improv." It, got it, got it. Oh, because there's no script. Oh, obviously there's no script. So they think they can't do it. They think that they can't do it. They think that they have nothing to say. They also think that they can be hmm. wrong. Hmm. And I feel that that whole thing about being wrong is wow, awesome. Right. And they, and I think that <laughs> um, how many conversations have I had? I just had one, Karen Gracchi, about about. Um, uh, 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 failure and how we get to look at failure and it's not failure at all right and and the moment that you go okay there's this word out there it's called failure uh-huh you think you know what it is but you don't know what it is it's this other thing yeah. that is so much cooler than what you think failure is because this is not open-heart surgery this is not driving right. a car this is you fucking around and every time that somebody gets something wrong they're right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I used to tell, um, I used to, and it is the being wrong, because I would have, people were like, oh, that was a bad scene. I'm like, what was bad about it? What was bad about it? There was nothing bad about it. It right. was, you know, or, oh, there was no point. Great. I, I actually love a scene with no point. Well, here's another thing. so fine Who's with it. Who's to say there wasn't a point? Right, exactly. And, and, yeah. and who are you to tell me 
that that which I watched has no point. Right. It's like I enjoyed it, so. Right. Um, and here's the yeah. thing about UCB and the thing about the Groundings is they insist that there be a foundation that makes that scene have a point. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. And yes. I feel that's one way of doing it. And I think that they, they say that too. Yeah. But for me, it's saying we're going to do a production of Othello mm -hmm. and we got all the costumes mm -hmm. and what we're going to do is cast it based upon who fits in the costumes. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh huh. Where we go, let's get the who, the what, and the where out and then figure out and then fucking figure out how to put those people in that scene. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I, and, and I don't want to think. Irene, I don't want to think anymore. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I, I really love being on stage with somebody that I trust and right. then just being like, here we go, here we go. I don't know what's happening. And if, and I, I really love that feeling. And um, yeah, I used to tell my students, I might have heard this somewhere else, but it was something like the, the um, glory of improvisation is if you, if you do a bad scene, you never have to do it again. But no. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the tragedy is, if you do a great scene, you never get to do it again. Okay. It was like, the glory is, hey, don't worry about it. And right. the tragedy is, God, that was so good. And it's like... How about never putting those two things on that? Right. Uh, like, like the glory of the tragedy right, 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 of right. like that and just going, this is what this is right now. But what about how I feel about it later? It's like, fuck who the fuck cares yes. how you feel about yeah. it later. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but and I believe that this must be true of any, well, I don't know, maybe it's true of any improv, improv artists, um, the idea of the moment that you stop giving a shit, everything fucking fell into place. I will agree with that. I will agree with that. The shows that I've enjoyed the most, I won't necessarily say they're the, be the best or the worst or whatever, but the shows that I've, I've, are the ones where I'm just present and I'm not thinking, what's the second beat of this going to be? Or who are you? Or what's your name? Or wait a minute, what, what did you say you did? You're a banker? Oh, shit. Okay, I just brought it. I, oh, my God, I just called you a baker. Right. Oh, but you're a banker, you know, or whatever. The moment I go... Let all that go. Here we are. I, I have not had a bad scene in 25 years. I don't think anybody else feels that way. But for <laughs> me, I stopped judging it about, yes. that, about right. that long ago. Right. And to go, okay, great. Uh, alcohol helps. Not that it helps me forget, but it's like, oh, that show's over. I can have a drink now. Yeah. That's what's going to sure. happen. And I'm going to enjoy that. Um, but the idea of, of well, putting a There's a freedom to that, right? Yeah. It's just a freedom. And, a, and uh, again, uh, going back to the it's not brain surgery. It's like, well, here we are. We're doing this thing together. Right. Let's just be here together. And great. Yeah. We're doing this thing together. Let's just be here together. We're doing this thing together. Let's just be here together. We're doing this thing together in front of these people. Yeah. Let's just be here together in front of these people. We're yeah. doing this thing together, not in front of these people, but with these people. Absolutely. That's the other thing I think that get, um, and this happens to me too. I'll start I not hearing an audience response or they respond to something I don't expect or something. And then, and then suddenly that, I don't know, I, I can start judging as opposed to being like, well, Great. Oh, my God. How fascinating that they responded to that. Exactly. Great. I'm glad they're with us. Right. <laughs> right. <know>? Right. <laughs> Did, I just saw uh, Paul Valancourt do his one-man movie. Oh, yes. I haven't seen it in so long. Oh, my God. It's one guy up there improvising a half-hour movie by himself. He is All the characters. Amazing. And I look at that and I go, and I think, I 
uh, it was like a magic trick. I said to yes. Laura, it was like a magic trick where suddenly at the end he goes, skiz, 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 and it's like doves <laughs> and rabbits and uh, hammers and swords and death and love and all that. And you go, how the fuck did you just take all the inventory? And I think that what happens is you say this thing, you put it up into your, your, mm-hmm. your, your brain warehouse and you say this thing, you put it up in your brain warehouse and you say those things. And then after a while, you don't judge any of those things. You go, I have everything I need because <laughs> yes. I have, I, I, I don't have to, I don't have to, to manufacture anything. Yeah. What do I have that, that can serve that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And also, it's yeah, it's and uh, like I said, I haven't seen that show in forever, but I remember seeing it and just being mesmerized at um, the facility and the the memory and the putting the pieces together. The energy the and the energy, idea that yep. that that it's what I call creative adjacency. Whatever it is that you've created, there's a, something adjacent to it that mm-hmm. you then get to use. Mm-hmm. But if you think that you're done. You're not. If you think I, I've had enough or whatever that's going to be, you've stopped the creative process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, in regards to that to that show and to other shows, I, I guess I've seen where there's a trust. So Paul creates all these things, mm-hmm. and then at the end, it, it's trusting as that the he must trust. He must be like, well, I'll come back to that piece that I just laid out, or maybe I won't, and and I don't, and I'll remember or. You know, there must he must trust in the process to to such a. I mean, it, you know, I don't know. But the idea of trust is it, that's the core of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel that I can trust you, I totally agree with that. Yes. In in anything. Yeah, I know. I agree completely in business in the way you're driving in the car next to me, and you know, I mean, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Friendship. Mm-hmm. Where if I if I go something something just happened and I can something just happened that something just happened that shifted my trust mm-hmm. and I don't know how to shift it to a place not unshift it but I don't because you can't do that how to shift it to a place where now where I have a a, a renewed sense of trust I guess yeah forgiveness sure. You mean as a performer? As no, a, as a human being. A human being. As okay, a human yeah. being. Right. Uh, or as a performer. I mean, I think as a performer, I'll give you, I, I think that as a performer, it's easier for me to go, okay, you, you fucked me over there. We're going to talk about it. Right. And the next time, at least you'll know that. that right. Happened. I would say I'm more forgiving in life than I am in performance. Mm. Um, I think I, I uh, although I guess I could approach it and be like, don't do that to me again. Right. Don't On do stage. That. Yeah. Don't do that. There's certain people, and, I, and I'm sure that you, and I've talked about this before, there's certain people that, that are on stage with me, and I'll go, I, I, can't, I can't work with you anymore. Right. I just can't trust you, and I can't work with you anymore. Yeah. I'm sure there are. I can't think of anyone right now. But, but yeah, I'm sure that that, I mean, I know that that's happened to me. Yeah. Where I've been asked to be in a show, and I see who the cast is, and I'm like, I'm not available that night. Yeah. I, I've said it before, but the only mistake you make in, in improv is casting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. Because you just have true. the people that are up there, and that's yes. all. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. No no props, no costumes, no set. There's nothing else for the audience to be like, but the 
production design was exactly. fabulous. Exactly. And what are you going to say? The stage was really great that they walked in on. Yes. That, walk, that they walked into. No, you're right. All you. The, that's the biggest mistake. But that's also all. true of old friendships too. I, I think that uh, I said it the other casting. day. Casting. Casting. Yeah. Uh, the only mistake you make in sex and improv is casting. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right. You know, you find somebody that you like to work with. Stick with that person. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? right. And then every once in a while, you know, for me, I look at somebody oh, like Eric God. Honeycutt and I go, I'd do a one night stand with that guy. <laughs> you know, uh, because I think that he's so, I love his work so much. I do too. I do too. I, he's, I love working. Yeah, I love watching him work. Yes. And I love. Um, working with him. And you know what's interesting about Eric is that I'm just thinking the shows that I've seen him in, even as an audience member, I have felt involved. Yes. And I think that it's, um, I would say the same thing for, for plays, but I need to feel as an audience member that I'm part of what's going on, which Absolutely. you sort of mentioned earlier, like we're doing this with the audience. Yes. You know, the people watching us. Yes. That, um, and Eric, I feel like, gives me absolutely that sense where I'm like, oh, I'm along on this ride with you, even yes. though I'm not on stage with you. I'm, I'm part of this. And, and it goes back to the only mistake you make in improv is casting, the yeah. idea of you, how many times have you gone, it's less now because I don't go to many anymore, but how many times have you gone to an improv show and you go, oh, I'm really gonna like the show, and then there's that one person that comes out and you go, oh, well, that must have been a mistake what they just did, uh -huh. and then they're gonna realize it. And as it goes on, you go, no, no, right. they're not, oh, no, no, they're not up to the same speed that everybody else is. Yeah. And so when they come out, you just wanna go, make this quick, nobody's gonna get hurt, let's just, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I go to, um, I, I go to a fair amount of improv because I'm still over at I.O. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I, I see a fair amount of shows. And I mean, that's, that's pretty common, you know, that there's somebody who is. When I used to teach the organic opening. Yes. Um, you know, Which I, is basically just people move around exactly. and you try to get. Exactly. And, and get, supporting you, whatever is happening. Right. Everything is right. Right. So whatever's happening. Um, but I used to say, um, and I w would initially start teaching where there was no dialogue, so it was all movement. And I would say, you're going to feel stupid and just go with it. Because I said, the, you may think you're being cool by hanging back, but the person who, who hangs back is the one who looks like an idiot. Yep. Not the people who are in there together. Yep. So push through that feeling that, oh, I don't know how to do this or I don't push through it because I promise you you're gonna look you're brilliant and you're gonna feel brilliant it, right and the people who would watch it because I would divide the class the people who would watch it then they would I would say so what what did you guys see hands 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 uh, everybody had a comment I saw this I saw this I saw this I saw this and the people on who had done it even if there were five of them or whatever they couldn't believe it right they right. couldn't believe it and some of them would say, I don't even really kind of remember what I just did, but I remember a sense of feeling like everything was okay. You know, I was like, great, good. Uh, every once in a while, I will stop a scene and I will say to the actors, I would say, L look at the, uh, to the audience, the, cat, the class that's on the stage, look at what's happening right now. That's what you look like when you're up there. Yeah. Right. And that, because you get to go, okay, I'm just up here. 
Yes. Yeah. And it, it's that idea of the ego must go. The ego must yes. go. It's uh, got to go. Agreed. It's not the E stay. It's the ego. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me see if I got this. It's not the East Day, it's the ego. Ego, yeah. Uh, casting. Uh, the only mistake you make in improv is casting. And sex. And sex. Find oh, people sex. you like to work with. Right. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. There's nuggets. Okay, We're good, good, good. Nuggets. I've got two really good ones. we got nuggets. Um, but it, it, uh, a major part of what it is, we had a lady you know, in a class of mine the other day say, um, you told me to stop smiling in every scene because I feel like it's a pre I think it's a nerve thing. You okay. know, if you smile yeah. then, you know, at the beginning of a scene, it's like, why are you smiling? Nobody yeah. did anything to make you smile. Yeah. Well, but I'm having a good time is what she said. And I'm like, learn to have a good time inside. <laughs> you know, just learn yeah. that when you're on stage, having a good time. Because if you are playing Ophelia, and you're enjoying that performance, right? Right, you're not gonna suddenly go, huh, I'm gonna walk up stage now, and the next time, the next scene, I'm gonna be dead. Yeah, but Isn't I'm having cool? a great time. <laughs> exactly, like, shut your face off. Turn your, <laughs> shut your face off right now. Um, uh, but, but I think for me, all the, it's all about the ego. It's all about the moment that you can let that shit go. Right. And. You know, I look at Alexandra Billings and I watch the work that she does I know. on stage. Incredible. And she's incredible and an incredible spirit and a deep fucking spiritual motherfucker. Yeah. And to look at what she does and to say, okay, the energy that she has, I have that energy. Yeah. I got that energy. I have that. I'm not saying Dave Rosowski. No, no, no. I'm saying any artist can look <clears throat> sure. at that and they don't have anything that anybody, she doesn't have anything that everybody else doesn't have. That's right. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. If you're having a good time, we, and that's about being in the moment there. Mm -hmm. Please know that when you're sitting there, you're having a fucking great time. Because one of the things, like who isn't having fun when you're on the Paramount lot, oh. having just did, you know, hair and makeup, and you're standing and you I, know that you're fucking next, and the scene is you then have to tell somebody, I'm sorry, but your carburetor, yeah. it's gone. And we can't bring it. <laughs> and you know, you're not going to sit there and go, ha ha, right. look at me, I'm, no, it's called acting, you fucker. Yeah, I hope that's what you wrote back to her. Um, I wrote it back, because no, anytime somebody sends that. stuff to me, I always write them a fake letter. Yeah. And then I write, no. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I hear you. You know, speaking of ego, when, when I was in Austin, one of the things I taught was just a one day, I think it was called like, the biz 101 or something. We started very basic. Like I would put a piece of tape on the floor and say, "This is a mark." Oh yeah. This is a camera. This is what slating means. But you don't, you know. And you were gonna have a reader and blah blah blah. Uh -huh. And I brought in sides from um, Parks and Rec, and it was one line, and it was something very benign, like, "Is this the closet?" or something like that. Something difficult, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. But it was everybody. I had everybody in the class do the same line. And I passed out the sides and I said, we'll have a reader. You're reading, everybody's reading intern. So I, a guy raised his hand um, and earlier in the class he had asked me if he really had to get headshots. And I said, you do. Yeah, I mean, so this is, I was already kind of like, this guy's on my last nerve. So he raised his hand and he goes, um, so, I mean, we're all doing this line? And I said, yes, and then we'll, we'll watch it in playback. And he goes, <laughs> I would prefer to say more than this. Oh. And I said, we would all prefer to say more than this. <laughs> Get out there, and I'm gonna call you in one by one. I mean, Andy was terrible. 
So it's like, what are, that was all ego. That was all ego. And he had no experience, no headshot, mm -hmm. no nothing. And he didn't want to say this. So, so he is somebody who, I don't know, it just was so shocking to me that that his ego was so great that he thought I was going to hand him 10 pages of sides from Mad Men or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that he was going to. Oh, gonna... I'm shocked. Uh, I, uh, uh, Terry Gross is talking to John C. Riley, and uh, she, she said, you did a lot of work in smaller parts on Broadway before you did True West or whatever it was going to be. And uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, right. And he said, uh, oh, no, 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 no. All those parts that I played, they were the lead role. Everybody else was in their own sure. show. And I, and I was like, that, that's fucking it. Yeah, that is it. That that's is it. it. Because if you're thinking, because in order for that character that you walk in to have a life, You've got to give him a life, and I'm not that's saying right. I'm not saying that you've got to figure out where did it come from. You know that mm -hmm. stuff. I guess people do do that. Of course they do do the moment before and shirt lifts, all that stuff. But but at the end of the day, where like you're entering from somewhere. Where? Yes, I know. And Simple. you're leaving. Where are you going? Yeah. Because no matter where you when you leave, you go somewhere. Yeah. I mean the idea of you know I when you leave here and I. You know, I'll walk you downstairs and I'll, and I'll say goodbye, I'll give you a hug and I'll say goodbye to you. You don't just go to your car and then sit in the car. I don't disappear into the ether. No, you I, don't. My existence doesn't end. No, and so because your existence doesn't end, it doesn't start either. Right. It just keeps moving forward. Right. And so when John C. Riley said, you know, those things were, you know, those parts, that's the greatest thing right there. Yeah, it is. And it's true, too. I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's, yeah. And here's another thing, like, it goes back to what you think about me doesn't matter. You know, nobody, I, maybe this does happen, where if I had a, a, I went, years ago I had an altercation with a, with the checkout lady at Pavilions. Okay. I felt that she just wasn't paying attention. Well. And I'm like, mm. you could pay attention. Mm -hmm. And we had words. Mm hmm And it wasn't. It wasn't, like in a movie, we would leave there and just dwell on it. Yes. And dwell on it <laughs> yeah. and dwell on it and dwell on it. And she would leave and dwell on it and talk to her other people and dwell yeah. on it and dwell on it. That doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think, I think you think about it for a minute and then you go, oh, there's a billboard for that movie. Yes. And then, oh, yeah. I, there's a stop sign and oh, almost missed the, and there's yep. the, oh, there's a new thing. Yeah, totally. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that you're, you're, you keep going. You know. But at the same time, I had a callback where I had to go back there and it was the only line open. And we had... You had words again? No, more like... Meaningful glances? Fine. Oh. Good. Loaded conversation. Yeah, it was subtext in the checkout line, which is the name of a Nancy Drew book that just <laughs> had, didn't make it. Subtext in the checkout line. Nancy Drew, I don't know why Nancy Drew would be... Would that, would she be might that. be able to figure it out, though. She could figure it out. She yeah, could figure she'd it out, out the why yeah. there's subtext. Yeah. Yeah. She'd yeah. get to the bottom of it yeah. with her girlfriends, George and... Oh, you read those? Oh, yeah. All of what them? What was the other one's name? Um, no, not all of them. But you know what always fascinated me about Nancy Drew is that, at least in the books we uh, that I read, they never mentioned... Her mother was just gone. It, she, lived, she was raised by her father. I don't know if her mother died. Was her father... I really want her father's name to be Drew. <laughs> Drew Drew? 
or Andrew? <laughs> Andrew Drew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Drew. Oh. <laughs> anyway, her mother wasn't there. It was her yeah, father. Yeah, I don't know why that just was. His father kind of was, was more of a, a a specter, or was the father? He like, would appear sometimes. He would appear. I was wrong. But this is the other thing. Nancy Drew was only sixteen. What was she doing? What do you why mean? Why was she? Doing? I'm saying why she should have been in school. Oh, as opposed not, to solving not crimes. Driving around with her girlfriend, solving crimes. Were they crime? Were, were, Finding were the crimes? people in But were the caves. crimes like? There's there's blood in her panties. It wasn't those kind of crimes. No, no, no. That that's law and order as for you. <laughs> I confused the two. I confused the two. <laughs> right. Um, but it was like, were like her and her girlfriend. These like, were like, oh, these the, the stairs are creaking in my summer house, and I'd be like, hmm. Right. But there was like, hmm. And what are these bloody panties doing here? Again, that's law and order as for you. <laughs> That's Mariska Hargitay. Okay, Mariska Hargitay. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> who didn't? Oh, Mariska Hargitay. That's somebody's name. I don't know who that is. She's really? in the show. Yeah. Oh, she's wonderful. Mariska Hargitay. Hargitay. Everybody. You've never seen the show? No. No. Oh, I, I always figured it was a, a commercial for like larger cars. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I've never seen the show. The procedurals she's bore wonderful. the shit out of me. Oh. Well, because I, this is what happens. Yeah. And I've talked about it before. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, something happens. Yes. The cops come in, ask people what happened. Right. And then they ask a bunch of people what happened. Right. And, and then they find a guy or a lady yeah. who knows what happened. Uh -huh. She explains what happened. Then they go to find the guy who did it. And then they talk to him and he says he did it. Yeah. And that's the end of the show. Yeah, it is. It's very satisfying. It, it really is. But it's, everything's in the past. Uh, that, that's, uh, well, yes, that's true. Who that's did, true. And, and the worst is Castle. But I've never seen Castle. Mm. But it, it starts, yeah, it starts with a, an event that happened before the show started. Right. Yeah. So you never see the, you never see anything really kind of happening. Which is great because that's a lot like the beginning of an improv scene. <laughs> Where everything happened in the past. It all, well, it was like yes. that happened and they're, and they're now. And now here it, we are. And now here we are. Dealing. With, with, I'm yeah. going to say it just one more time, with the, uh, with the, with the bloody panties. Okay. That's the show that we're talking about, with Mariska Hargitay. Mariska Hargitay. Well, now That's it works. That's the name of my new Herald team. Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> <laughs> Mariska Hargitay sounds like two people that said, you want to be, you, you want to be in my law firm? Okay. All right. Mr. Hargitay? Yeah. This it's is like, Mr. Mariska. <laughs> it's Marushka. Marushka Hargitay. Is oh, she, that's the name of the law firm? Well, oh. <laughs> what's this actress? Yeah, Mariska Hargitay. Mariska? Not Mariska. Fucking A. No, it's M-A-R-I-S-K-A, but it's Mariska. Mariska. her father was Mickey Hargitay, who was a bodybuilder. Uh -huh. I think that's what he was. Um, of, I don't know if he's Polish. I'm not, I'm not, I, I've probably just uh, offended all the Polish people who are listening. Uh -huh, uh -huh, maybe Hargitay. she's not Polish. Her mother was Jane Mansfield. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So she's American, though. Oh yeah, she's she's American. Yeah, yeah, she's American. Yeah, Mariska Hargitay. Yeah, it must she it must not be. But she's in her fifties. She's got to be around around about fifty now. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, because Jane right. Mansfield, after she died, didn't have any more children. Not after she died, she didn't. No. That's I want right. I want to use my catchphrase here, and mm. I bet it's wrong. My catchphrase here is is this. You don't know that. You can use it. Uh, Jane Mansfield didn't have any children. Would you say that? 
It was just, just give me the line. Jane Mansfield. Oh, didn't. Jane Mansfield didn't have any kids after she died. You don't know that. <laughs> Doesn't it make it I give mean, you it pause? Works. It, it gives you work. pause, and it, like I, I think you don't know that at the like after anybody says anything, you right. can go, you don't know that. I I like to say to people, um, don't tell me what to do. <gasps> after if they say, hey, have a good day. Right. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, Laura says, like if you say, would you hand me? Um, uh, would you hand me that napkin? And she'd go, hand me the napkin, Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever, like the easiest thing. It's like, what are you doing? I'm not going to do that. Um, if somebody I've, sneezes. I've also said make me. Oh, make me is a good one too. Yeah. If someone sneezes, um, I say, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, it does the same as God bless you or anything, but it's more fun. <laughs> stop. Yeah. That's you. Stop it. <laughs> I had a friend in college who used to say, when you said almost anything to him, he even if it were pleasant, he would say, can you get off my back for five seconds? <laughs> like, no matter what you said. I like that so much. I like that so much. Can you get off my back for five seconds? Have a nice day. Can you get off my back for five seconds? Like, no matter what it is. Can you hand me that napkin? Can you get off my back for five seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, when people have bits like that and I see them, I just cannot wait for them to do it again. You know, like I haven't seen you in a million fucking years. Carell used to do this thing where he would pretend to throw up and then he would throw up. He'd really? be like, huh, huh, huh. and then he would say this, so he'd go, I'm okay. And after he did, I'm okay, he would go, because that's what really happens. Yeah, where yeah, go, yeah. I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> Isn't that what happens? Where yes. you go, oh, good, good, I'm okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I saw you guys in uh, on main stage. This was a while ago. <laughs> it was either a while ago it was, or it I mean, was less than a while that. ago. You don't know that. that. You don't know that, right? There we go. Yeah. Nice use. Um, I look back on those days and I just, I love every minute of it, but I would not go back. I would not go back ever. Really? Would you go back to anything? I mean, honestly, no, I wouldn't. See, I, I mean, I wouldn't. But you've thing. also done this thing with Austin and going to Austin and then coming back. Oh yeah, so I did come back here. But your coming back was very different. It wasn't yeah. like I want to get a time machine. No, 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 no. No, it was not. Uh, it has not been. I mean, even even acknowledging the disorientation I had, which felt kind of time machine-ish. You know, because speaking of like Crowley, you walk into I/O John in Crowley, the bar, the John Crowley. It's yeah. like, oh. Uh, that's the same, and right? oh, that's the same, and those pictures are the same. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, I wouldn't go back. No, I wouldn't go back. No, and I don't really feel I've done anything incorrect or wrong. That's not the right word, but do you know what I mean? Oh, I, I totally understand. So there's nothing I would want to go back and redo. No, but I think that there are a lot of people because for me, it sounds to me like you don't have regrets. I don't. I will say when I first moved back here to Los Angeles, I did have the thought that I had been gone for too long, that I was behind, mm -hmm. quote, unquote. Right. And then, um, but I don't regret moving. Mm -hmm. I, I had four and a half great years. Right. I'm glad I did them. I'm glad I'm not there anymore, but right. I don't have regrets about it. No, no. And when I hear people say, like, I really regret doing that, I feel like hmm. that totally negates anything that you learned from that experience mm -hmm. or your need to have had that experience. It also negates who you are right now. Clearly. You know? Yes, if, it does. If, if it pulls out foundation from who it is that you are Yes, right now. exactly. 
it's because um, I don't regret moving. I, I feel a little bit that uh, it was like a marriage and that because uh, I've never been married, it's the only thing I can kind of relate it to that. It, and when I knew that it was not quote working, I dug my heels in. I was like, no, I married this experience and I'm going to. And then I realized, oh, you know what? I have more more growing to do right. in another relationship. It's it's that. I've said this before too, it's that feeling of this word, which I really have a hard time with, mm -hmm. and everybody thinks it's such a lovely word, hope. Fuck hope. Right. Really, honest to God, because you go, I'm just going to stick it out because I, I hope that things are going to work out, mm -hmm. and I'm going to sit in the hope that things are going to work mm -hmm, out. Mm -hmm. Well, fuck your hope. Right. Because that's you sitting it out and and letting the world come at you as opposed to saying, no, this isn't working out. Yes. Because like a marriage that you've never been in, mm -hmm. I've been in a marriage mm -hmm. where you do have those moments where you think, I, I hope that there's a moment when Katie understands what it is that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Or I hope that there's a sentence that, I, that she is going to say that makes me, and so I'm going to yeah. stick it out yeah. until the universe puts, that, put, puts those words together for that sentence for me to go, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then you yeah. stay or you, but, you know, hope isn't about being, pre hope isn't about being present. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you that hope is sort of lives, hope is not really in the moment. No. It's, it's living in the future. Right. It's yeah. never living in the past. It's right. always living in the future. That's right. But it's never living in the past. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's funny, like when I, I, I don't remember the exact moment that I decided I was going to move back here from Austin, but as I look back, I realized there were all these hopeful things I was doing to make my life there more livable. So I was uh, going, I was auditioning for grad school. I was looking into this. I was deciding to do that. I don't want to go to grad school. No. I don't want to go. No. But I, I went so far as to having meetings and auditions and and then... I never wanted to do that, and so I, I don't know. In fact, it might have been a conversation I had with Karen Gracchi, who's maybe said something off the, you know, off the cuff, like, well, you could always come back. And it's like, I do remember having a conversation with her, but it was in the middle of like, thinking, no, I gotta stay. But it, I don't know. I, I totally understand. Like, I, I remember one of my students saying to me, I go back to you know, my divorce. Well, you can always get, oh! My mom. Oh. My mom. Not one of my students. My She's mom. What, a student my mom. of your life. A student of my life. A teacher and a student. Um, and my mom saying, uh, I said, I, Katie wants to marry me. And I, I'm not quite sure. And she goes, well, you could always get divorced. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then I remember a student at the other end, uh, this student, saying, well, no, it's my therapist. <laughs> I keep thinking all these people are my students. Um, saying, I want you to roll this word around, divorce. Roll that around in your head. Make that a reality. And so what Karen Gracchi did was say, you can always come back. Well, and she also opened up a choice because I feel like as I'm discussing this with you that sometimes being hopeful about something makes is not recognizing there's a choice to be made. Right. That, that well, I'm, I'm ho I, ho I hope this turns out. Right. Instead of, and so her, with Karen saying, oh, well, you can come back. It's like, oh, oh, wait, I, yes. Right. I could make the choice to instead of sitting in this and, and Yeah, this because hope is 
about one outcome, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's, it is, absolutely. I would agree with that. Oh, I hope I book this job. Right. Oh, I hope I find a parking place. Because there's nothing. Or I hope I, yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> I hope I, I hope I book this job. Oh boy, and then it got complicated. Where you go, I hope I book this job so that I can get a paycheck so that I would be able, it's like, oh, fucking stop it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And hope, saying hope, puts it in a box and then puts you in the box and then closes the sides up a little bit so you just see day, you know, what's over your head yes. and the thing that you don't have. Yeah. It is absolutely about, I, I would agree with that, that it's almost acknowledging the thing that you don't have. Right, you know. and then instead of saying, what are the things that you do have? Because the moment that Karen says, you could always, you can you always, always move back. You can always move back, then you go, oh fuck, I'm not married to this moment, I'm not shackled to the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big thing. It is a big thing. Yeah, it's a big thing. And it changes your life, the moment yeah. that you let go of And in relating it to auditions, um, and, uh, you know, I have I was taking an audition class with G. Charles Wright, who is fantastic. And he's he is a casting director and he said, Don't don't want to book the job. Book the room. Do the job in the room. So and that that's a little bit along the same lines, like, oh I hope I book it. No. Go just go in and do it. Right. Go in and go do in it. Go in and do it. And and that is puts you in the moment instead yeah. of putting you in like, oh, oh, pressure, pressure, pressure. I need this because I need this because I need this. Instead it, of like, it, right. oh my gosh, I'm gonna go get to do this job for for a minute and a half. Right. In that room. I'm gonna go do it. Right. It's like And all those other thoughts of Oh, I, I, I hope I book this job because if I book this job, oh, that, that puts you in the future, in the present. Yeah. That puts you presently in the future. Yeah. Or, of course, this isn't going to go well because traffic was fucked up coming yeah. over here. Yeah. And, of and it's like, that takes you into the past. And all of those is our excuses. All of those are distractions mm -hmm. from what you get to be, which is right here. Yeah, it's true. And also, when I, when I was living in Austin, what brought me back here was just the notion of being a working actor because it's it's just not really possible there. Maybe it's not possible in Chicago either. I don't I don't really know, but to be a a full time working actor, and I still have a day I have a part time day job, I, you know, but um, so when I first came back, and I still feel this way, if I'm on the 405, I'm so happy uh, to going to an audition like. I'm like, this is what I was missing. This, me actually living my dream and, and, or living me, but what I'm supposed to be doing. This is exactly, this is right. So that's been really great because I didn't feel that way when I initially left Los Angeles. I was very kind of tired and like, mm -hmm. uh, um, I didn't appreciate how glorious my life was. And now I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's great. Let's stop there. Okay. <laughs> that was really a good ending. Thanks. Ah, the freedom that comes from appreciating how glorious your life is. Thank you for that, Irene White. Irene can be seen with the great improv cast King 10 at Iowa West in Hollywood. Check that out. ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski also thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer, my dear friend, musician extraordinaire, Al Rose for our theme song, I feel like a million dollars from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And we thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in me having a, 
a go at your theater, your improv school, your symphony orchestra opening, your corporate event, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. I'd really appreciate that. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.